Hi, everybody. A quick announcement before this week's episode kicks off. Applications to the Coaching for Leaders Academy are open from now until this Friday, March 15th, 2019. If you are looking to create movement in your leadership development, capacity, and skills this year, the Coaching for Leaders Academy may be the next step for you. Go over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy in order to review the information about the academy and to apply. And if you decide to do so, make sure you get over there before this Friday, March 15th, when applications will close. Again, that address, coachingforleaders.com slash academy. And now onto this week's episode. Lots of us want to be more present, but how? What can we do to be more fully present with other human beings, whether at work or at home? On this episode, what we can discover from theater and the arts to help us do this better. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 399. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. You know, if you've listened to the show before, that I am a big believer in us leading ourselves well first. And one area that is essential for leaders, really it's essential for every aspect of life, is being present with others. Today's guest is going to give us a perspective on how to stay present and some of the tools and strategies and skills that we can use to do that more effectively. I am thrilled to welcome to the show today Dan O'Connor. Dan is a multifaceted actor, improviser, writer, and director. He is the founder and producing artistic director of the critically acclaimed Impro Theater. He is a co-founder of Bats Improv in San Francisco and LA Theater Sports. He is the author with Jeff Katzman of Life Unscripted, Using Improv Principles to Get Unstuck, Boost Confidence, and Transform Your Life. Dan, I'm so glad to welcome you to the show. Dave, I'm so, to put it in my teenage vocabulary, I'm so psyched to be here. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Oh, me too. I have had so much fun watching your TED Talk and reading your book and uh, listening to some of the other interviews you've done. And there's so many things that have come up for me of thinking about improv and the skills of improv in the context of leadership. And one of the phrases that has come up for me again and again in researching your work is something you say about relationships. You say every relationship is a story. Tell me more about that. Well, when you think of it, when you first meet somebody, you trade stories. You know, where did you grow up? Uh, what high school did you go to? You know, what or what do you do? There's, there's a story exchange. The way us reasoning mammals engage with each other is through narrative. It's through story. That's how we get to know each other. And yet, most people are not taught story skills. Most people are not taught improvisation. We all improvise every day, and we all tell stories every day when we're first meeting somebody or engaging somebody. And how well you're able to tell that story, speak about yourself, be curious about the other person, draw their story out, 
directly relates to how resonant that interaction is. If you think about it from like a sales standpoint, one of the things we do a lot is work with sales teams is you can't just go through the product features of the particular product and expect somebody to be intrigued or excited about it. You have to tell the story of the product and even better, why it's important to you, how that particular product relates to you. So when we meet somebody for the first time, if you think about really terrific interactions, there's a narrative there. There's a story there. I know that when I've met somebody that was really present for me, I'm intrigued. I want to know more. I'm I'm more curious. So that's what we're talking about in terms of every relationship is a story. People don't think about relationships as being a story. A lot of times people think of relationships as being perfunctory. And the depth in which you're curious about somebody, one of the other improv, pithy improv terms that we could put on a t-shirt is if you're interested, you're interesting. Mm. You think about how somebody engaging with you and being curious about who you are and you become that much more interested in who they are. I'm guessing the title of your book, Life Unscripted, wasn't an accident at all. And I'm thinking about that in the context of what you just said, that for so many of us, we've never had any training in storytelling or in thinking on our feet, and so many of the things that as leaders we do every day. And yet, so much of our formal training in our education system and society is around following scripts and following systems. And you know, one of the things that kind of bubbled up for me in listening to your work is that we have a tendency to follow scripts even when they're not working, or even when they're painful because they're familiar, right? Yeah, yeah, you you stay with what you know. You stay you hold on to your pain because it's familiar in some aspects. People tend to stick with the script. And the, the sad thing can be that sometimes people are sticking with somebody else's script. But one of the things Jeff and I talk about in the book is I was always told that I couldn't sing. And now I'm part of a theater company where we improvise musicals in the style of Stephen Sondheim. That was a script that was put on me way back when. And there's any number of examples of, you know, you're not handsome, you're not, uh, you're not physical, you'll never be an athlete, all of these things which are other people's projections onto us that we, we get growing up or get when we're in school that really are somebody else's script. Now, it, that may unfortunately sort of metastasize and people start believing someone else's script about them. What Jeff and I are putting forward is that that's somebody else's story and you need to live your authentic life, whatever that may be. And part of it is being present and understanding what your life really is rather than what somebody has told you it is. And I think a lot of us have come to improv as a place where it's more about possibility and opportunity rather than a narrow bandwidth of these are the only things I will do with my life. And more and more, you know, as we're kind of moving into this place where people may have five or six occupations after they get out of school, the ability to improvise and to change script and unscript, I think is a core value. It's a, it's a bottom line tool that we all need to use. Everybody improvises every day, and yet it's not taught as a skill in, in schools and yet we do it all the time. And nothing against algebra, 
But I don't use algebra every day. I don't use trigonometry or calculus every day. I do, however, improvise every day. And that's not just because I'm an improviser by profession. I'm out in the world engaging with people. And those moments are not scripted. They're, they're unscripted. Yeah, indeed. And uh, we've talked often on the show that leadership today is really less about having the right answer and more about having the right question. And when I talk with people who've had extraordinary leaders, almost always they articulate someone who they've had in their lives, if they've been fortunate to have someone like this, who's who's really good at asking questions and really good at being present. And I am curious, Dan, because you, more so than probably any other person I've interviewed on the show, see this all the time where someone comes to you either because they're excited about it or they're part of a program in a, in a corporation. And for whatever reason, they would like to get a little better at this, at, at unscripting a bit and being more in the moment. And I'm wondering, when you start with someone, where do you start? We start with just introducing the concept of the fact that we improvise every day and talking about what that might be for them. An example, and something that resonates pretty quick, is we talk about the fact that when you're sitting in a meeting, a lot of the time, the individuals in the meeting are waiting for the other person's mouth to stop moving. They've been thinking about what they're going to put forward, their great idea, and they're not listening to the person who is currently speaking. They're waiting and thinking in a sort of siloed fashion about what they're going to say. And when we mention this to people, there's lots of people around the room nodding because they know they regularly are not present in the space. And introducing the idea of improv as a, a core tool in business and on stage and off for us, that's the first step is, is going, you do this all the time. You understand how this might be of value to you. And that kind of opens the door to, okay, well, what's next? Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about thinking on your feet. Let's talk about being mindful of how you go through the day and how you interact with other people. And for leaders, we talk a lot about status. We talk about you know, physical cues with regards to how, even though you, with best intentions, you may be trying to get the best out of an employee, but either the, your, your physical language or maybe your actual lexicon and how your usage is not giving them an invitation to get their ideas out. And there's a lot of wasted brain space in meetings because of hierarchical structure. If there's a 800-pound silverback executive in the room, if they're not making it a safe space for people to contribute, then you're not going to get ideas out of those people who maybe are a couple more rungs down the, the job ladder. It's reminding me of one of the principles that you've articulated around one of the core values of improv, if I'm understanding it right, which is make your partner look good. Tell me more about that. Well, it satisfies a number of things when, and I should, for your listeners, I should explain that our theater company creates full-length two-hour plays based on an audience suggestion. So we, we're creating a narrative that's you know, an hour and a half, two hours long. We, we rely on each other from moment to moment to build. There's no format. There's no map of what we're going to do. It's just a matter of being creative and continually being in the moment. That said, 
one of the core values is to make your partner look good. Because if I'm on stage with you and we're creating a scene, if I'm putting my focus on serving whatever offers you're making in the scene, whatever narrative you're putting forth, and yes-anding that, which is another improv term, or finding ways to expand what you're saying, it does a number of things. First off, makes you feel good because I'm invested in what you're saying. This is kind of the how it translates into business. If I'm putting my attention on you, you feel good about the offer you're putting forward. Also, it takes my ego out of the equation. If I'm on stage and I'm paying attention to you, or if I'm in a meeting and I'm paying attention to you, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm trying to build on what you're saying. So making your partner look good is, I guess, a guideline. I, would, I don't want to say rules because each situation is different, but being able to put your focus on the other person and actively support them changes the dynamic in the room. It changes the interaction on stage and it changes the interaction in a corporate setting because I want the best for you, which then gives you permission to be your best self, be more engaged and realize that you're able to put forward all of your ideas in a way that's not going to be judged. That's been our experience with it. And it's really helpful, especially when teams are beginning to work with each other for the first time and just creating rapport. And uh, we like to say that sales teams, development teams, a lot of the time are ensembles and they have to build trust. We have to know who everyone is and be accepting of what they're bringing to the table. I'm struck by how much what you described really is business, right? I mean, so showing up each day, whether it's a meeting or a customer interaction, and someone else tosses out a topic or an issue or a strategy of the day, and then all of a sudden, in the moment, we need to figure out on our teams and as leaders how we're going to respond to that in a way that honors everyone else who's present. And so the the contexts are really different, but the skills are virtually the same as far as being able to handle that well and and make other people look good. And you said a key phrase there a moment ago, yes and, which is a core principle of improv. Tell me more about yes and. Well, yes and, uh, I'm not sure who originally came up with it, but Keith Johnstone, who wrote the book Impro, talks about the fact that Yes, people are rewarded by the adventures they have, and no people are rewarded by the security they attain. And the way that translates for us on stage is if I say no, I'm in control, but the narrative does not move forward. And if I yes and your idea, then I'm building on it. Accept and build, reject and kill, another pithy improv t-shirt. But the idea that I'm going to further the story, and I think sometimes yes and is misused a lot because uh, sometimes it becomes an orthodoxy in business training and people feel like they have to yes and everything. And what we're really talking about is if we're having a brainstorming meeting, we're going to yes and the ideas. We're not necessarily going to implement everything, but we're going to build because that's what brainstorming is. You You may have something that's completely outside the box that there's no way we're ever going to do that particular item. However, if we yes and it, we might come back around to something that is practical and does have utility to, to whatever 
we're trying to accomplish in the meeting. So yes and also makes people feel heard. If I'm yes anding you, I want to know more. You feel open enough to share more, uh, as opposed to what a lot of meetings are, is people killing ideas before they've even begun. Yes, but is a favorite of corporate speak. People, yes, but all the time, because they feel they're being accepting and a good teammate in the room, but they're saying, no, I don't like that idea. So there's some judge, yes, but is a, uh, is a judgment. And we teach yes and and yes, but early on in training as a way of getting people to understand just that little change can make all the difference in harvesting something productive from the interaction. We're not saying that we're going to take your crazy idea and implement it today. We're going to look at what does that spawn, what comes out of that. There's a difference between going down every road and following every idea and someone being heard, right? And really, this is about how do we stay present so someone's heard? One of the quotes you passed along to me is, the feeling of being heard is not unlike the feeling of being loved. And I hear you saying that of whether we go down one idea or another in a customer meeting or in a briefing or presentation, that giving people the space to be heard, that's, that's a big part of being present, right? It is. And it's a big part of leadership. You have your company. How are you getting the best out of them? If they're not being listened to, why should they put forward anything that might help the bottom line? Whereas if they feel they're being heard, then that might lead to more investment, which then you have you know, people who really are buying into whatever the vision is that comes from leadership. Yeah. That can only happen, well, not only, but it can certainly be helped when the rank and file feel hurt. And that can lead to investment and that can lead to ideas that maybe might otherwise never come to the surface. One of the things I'm so curious about is I imagine you run into a lot of people who come to you and are in your corporate programs or even within the theater and they really would like to get better at this. They're bought in on, you know, being more yes and and not yes but. And yet, They've had a lifetime of being conditioned to following the script, right? What do you find works to just start creating a little bit of momentum, to get a little bit of that breakaway speed, to be more present? Play is one of the things that, that comes to mind. When we're introducing these concepts, especially in the first couple of sessions, there's a certain amount of play that's going on where people are experiencing these concepts. And I think that's a, that's a really important point just in terms of process, is to experience what it feels like to yes and somebody, to have somebody try and make you look good, to support your partner. So experiencing these concepts on your feet, it starts to open up pretty quick because like you know, we talked about in the beginning, Everybody improvises every day. They're just not aware that that particular thing is called improv. And I think improvisation sometimes gets a bad rap because people will occasionally walk into one of my classes and think I'm going to make them crawl around on the floor or be a tree or do some sort of, sort of basic acting exercises. And that's not really what it's about at all. It's about experiencing stuff that you already experienced, but being conscious of that and understanding, oh yeah, when my spouse is yes-anding me, 
I'm a better partner for them. That same stuff translates in you know, work relationships in terms of how do we build on an idea. So getting someone who's never really been exposed to it, getting them to experience it in a way that's safe and it's not scary once you start doing it. I think the concept a lot of people have, like I had a woman walk up to me right before the workshop started, and this was with a law firm. And she said, I'm not creative. I just wanted you to know I'm not creative. And uh-huh. I thought, oh, talk about scripted. I mean, she, she's been told that she was not creative. And of course, the skills that we're showing to her and that she was experiencing, she, within 10, 15 minutes, she was having fun. And she understood that it's not necessarily what she conceived of being creative. I don't know if she thought I was going to ask her to sculpt something or, or paint but it was about just her being her. And I think that can be revelatory for some people. I think that's why there's such massive enthusiasm for applied improv currently. There's a whole world of people who are now teaching improvisation as a core business skill because when people experience it, it can be a game changer. Yeah. This actually brings up another thing I was curious about too is years ago, I first heard the term intertrainment, where organizations hire someone from a training company, or in your case, Dan, like from a theater company, and ask them to come in and just, you know, entertain people for an hour or half a day. Which, by the way, if that's your goal, (laughs) there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But without a lot of really thought about how do we really develop a new skill over time? And I'm curious, one, if if you've run into that, but but secondly, and perhaps more importantly to what you just mentioned of, you know, more and more people are recognizing that there's so many of the skills that we can bring from the arts and from improv and so many other areas that be effective in business. For organizations and teams that do this right, that really get to work with you in a way you you see them being really effective over time, what do they do differently? Well, they take yes and to heart, and they take being present serious. One of the things that we found, and it always, without sounding too corny, but it always is heartwarming to me when I haven't been in an organization for you know eight months or 12 months, and I return, and they're still using all of the lexicon of yes and and over-accepting, which is another principle of ours, which is just attacking things with enthusiasm and seeing where it goes rather than playing stuff down. That to me is the residual effect of this work, is that the organization is now operating from a place of mindfulness. I know that a lot of organizations have started meditation programs and things like that, but I'm using, and I think that's terrific, but I'm using mindfulness from the standpoint of, from an improviser perspective, which is being aware of the fact that when I listen to you, I need to be present for you. And if my mind starts to wander away and I'm losing the thread during your PowerPoint, I've got to come back to you, back to you, back to you. And understanding that our conversation is a relationship and is a story. And it doesn't cost me anything to be curious and be invested in what you're saying. Mm. I think sometimes organizations or people are scripted so much so that they, well, we, we tried that before. It didn't work. And instead of addressing what may need to happen going forward, they're just saying no from a scripted place of, I know this, I've got this. Whereas I think even if you've been the CEO for 20 years, 
there's always something to learn when you walk into the office in the morning. Yeah, boy, uh, you know, and I'm struck by what you said too of the process and learning more about your work. I mean, you, as you mentioned earlier, you put together these incredible experiences for audiences when you're in the theater of, you know, you take a suggestion from someone and you create a two hour <laughs> full length play from the suggestion and there's no script. And the thing that was really interesting to me learning about that though, is that there's a framework around it of we're going to do it in the style of Jane Austen or Stephen Sondheim, as you, as you mentioned, and your team will read a lot of that author's work and that genre in preparation. And so it's interesting to me, like, there's an element here of being able to prepare well and prepare intentionally so that you can be more present when the moment comes. And I'm wondering if you could help frame that dynamic for us of, you know, taking the time in advance to prepare so that you can be more present and so that you can be more unscripted in the moment. Yeah. And, you know, Anthony Hopkins talks about this, that he just reads the script, reads the script, reads the script, reads the script, and just he knows it backwards and forwards so that when he's shooting the scene, he has it completely down so that he's able to move, you know, depending on how the director is saying he wants, you know, that line or this line or whatever, whatever is being put forward, he can adapt. If I'm, you know, selling you a cell phone, if I've done my work and I know every aspect of that product, whatever it is. Then when I go to market and I'm talking to, you know, potential customer about it, I can figure out what their needs are and I know how to address that. I know how to add on to their particular story because their needs are my story. You know, listen to them for a while and then you'll be able to do bespoke sales because you'll know exactly what their needs are and, and being able to address them. So it's not just, you know, these are all the specs. It's telling the story of what an organization or what a client's needs are. What you just said, Dan, word for word almost, exactly what my first boss told me, my first full-time job, I had a sales component to my job. And she said, you need to learn this process so well, learn our service so well, so that when you get in front of the customer, you can be in the moment with them. And it made no sense to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> when she said that. And then I started doing it and I got six months in of working with customers and then I got it. And I was like, it's not that you don't prepare or work hard. It's that you do that work in advance. Yeah. So that when you show up, that you are able to devote your time and energy, not to trying to impress people with your knowledge, but to being present with the person. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. And like I said before, the more interested you are, the more interesting. I mean, that translates to building rapport with somebody you're selling to or building rapport as a leader, talking to somebody that you're tasking with something, being able to be present with them and understand who they are and how you can best deliver the information of what you want from them. It's huge. Dan, I could talk to you for hours, but let's get people going to check out the book, which I am loving. It's brought up so much for me thinking about my career and even back into being a kid and things that I struggled with. The book is Life Unscripted, Using Improv Principles to Get Unstuck, 
boost confidence and transform your life. It is a great starting point if you want to get better at this as I want to get better at it. And we're also going to put links, Dan, to the work you do for organizations. Dan is a leader in improv and does many, many engagements with corporations and organizations all around the world. He's a wonderful resource for you. So we're going to put all of that in this week's weekly leadership guide so you can connect with him. Dan, I've got one more question for you. I often ask leaders when they're on the show, what have they changed their mind on? Because so much about learning and leadership is about going different directions sometimes. As you've been doing this work, as you've written this book and done all the research, what have you changed your mind on in the last few years? I think the thing that's changed in the last sort of five, six years, and the writing of the book really was the switch, was that I've got to walk the walk and think of it as a practice myself. I always thought that I was dispensing wisdom, talking about awareness, and really what I've learned is I need to do that just as much and sometimes more so than the people I'm teaching. And the pretty profound thing is realizing just how much I learn from my students. So it's made me, I've been reinvigorated in the last few years in a way that's terrific, and I look forward to teaching every time that I'm engaging with a group because I know I'm going to learn something and I'm going to learn how to be a better teacher. And I know that I have to be present and, and how much better it feels, how much better I feel with a class and with an individual interaction when I am genuinely present and engaged. Dan O'Connor, Life Unscripted is the book. Thank you so much for your wisdom, Dan. Thanks so much, Dave. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much. I was thinking about Dan's reference to jazz, and it got me thinking about a quote that one of our Academy members passed along to me a while back from uh, the jazz artist Charlie Parker. Charlie said, you've got to learn your instrument, then you practice, practice, practice. And then when you finally get up there on the bandstand, forget all that and just wail. That's a great capture of our conversation today. Thank you so much, Dan, for encouraging us to be more present. I hope you'll jump on to the website and check out also my book notes and all the references and links. It'll be in this week's weekly leadership guide as well. I've, uh, as I do for many of the authors, highlighted all of the things that I found so helpful from Dan's work and have made those available to you as well. If you've got your free membership set up on the website, you can do that over at coachingforleaders.com. You'll also find several related episodes to today's conversation. If this was useful to you, you may want to dive in further. One of the episodes that will also be helpful to you is episode number 148, The Four Critical Stories Leaders Need for Influence with David Hutchins. Uh, we talked a bit about storytelling in this conversation. Stories really are the language of leaders. And David Hutchins has done fabulous work around helping leaders to become better storytellers. And in that episode, we walk through four frameworks for stories that really every leader should have in their back pocket. If you, like me, are always looking to get better at this skill, episode 148 is going to be a great starting point for you. I'd also recommend episode 271, how to increase your conversational intelligence my guest was Judith Glazier on that episode. Uh, Judith and I talked about how to really become more present in conversations, how to have more meaningful and rich conversations. Uh, so many wonderful principles there that complement 
this conversation today really well. Again, that's episode 271. And then finally, I'd recommend also episode 343, How to Close the Power Distance Gap with my guest, Jordan Harbinger. Uh, Some of you have followed Jordan's work. He's a fairly well-known podcaster out there, has done some incredible interviews of very well-known folks. He was on the show talking about how he works to close the power gap when he is interviewing someone who's much more well-known, powerful than he is, and also the other way around, too, when he is sitting across from someone who sees him in that role. That is something that really, I think, almost all of us as leaders deal with on a daily basis, both going to talk to someone who's got a lot more power than we do and being able to engage in that conversation confidently and effectively, but also helping others to be comfortable when they're engaging with us and they perceive us to have a lot more power, uh, either right or wrong, that we do in that situation. If you're looking for some perspective on that from someone who has walked that line a lot, episode 343 with Jordan Harbinger will be helpful to you. And you can track down all of those episodes by going over to coachingforleaders.com and setting up your free membership. When you do, it's going to give you access to the weekly leadership guide. It's also going to give you access to my free 10-day audio course titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. If you'll give me 10 minutes a day for 10 days, it'll help you to get the most immediate practical actions to become a better leader. It's also going to give you access to search by all of the past library of episodes by topic area. So if you're looking for something specific, it'll help you track down that. Also give you access to the weekly leadership guide coming on Wednesdays with my book notes, my personal library, and a whole bunch more. You can access all of that for free. Just go over to coachingforleaders.com and set up your free membership. And I look forward to seeing you on the site for more discovery and conversation. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Take care.